Well, I don't know about you, but I've never been very good at math. I just always hated math growing up in elementary school through high school. I always hated math. I needed all 10 fingers and all 10 toes to be able to get the right answer in any math equations. I just hated math. In fact, when I was a junior in high school, I was talking to some buddies who were going uh, and attending the same college that I was going to be attending in just a few short years. And I had heard from them that if you were a biblical studies major at the Bible college, that you did not have to take a math class. And that's what I was going to be. So I was so excited. And I decided as a junior that I was going to take my last math class ever, my junior year of high school, coast through my senior year, and then go to Bible college and never take math again. I was so excited. So I did that. I took math my junior year, didn't take it my senior year, and got ready for college. Well, when I get ready to enroll for classes, turns out they changed the rules of the accreditation, and now every student, no matter your major, had to take a math class. I was devastated. I just took the year off uh, coasting through school, thinking I would never have to take a math class again, and then I get to college and find out that I did indeed have to take that math class. So I did what any responsible college freshman would do. I put it off for four years and didn't take a math class till my senior year. I I eked by in a statistics course. Um, I just hated math. I've always been more of an English kind of guy. I love literature, I love reading, I love punctuation and the rules of the English language. It's always been my better subject. I I do better in that subject than I do math. In fact, for fun this year, I read a book called Eloquence, which is all about the rules of the English language and how to better use it when you're writing and speaking. I even enjoy proofreading emails and papers for people. I get a lot of enjoyment out of English uh, rules and and, and the language uh, that accompanies that. And I would encourage you uh, for this new series that we're getting ready to start that if you are not very good at English, you might want to pull out your English book and dust up on some of the rules of the English language because we're basing this uh, on uh, an idea that exists in the English language. We're going to base it on the suffix ing. Uh, A suffix is a group of letters that you add to the end of a word that changes the meaning of that word. For example, we could take the word quick and you add an L-Y, and you get the word quickly. You don't just eat fast, you eat quickly, and it kind of helps change the word and gives some variety to the words that you're using. I-N-G works the same way. It gives the verb a little oomph. It gives it a little active uh, action to the word. You're not just, you don't just run, you're running. You don't just pray, you're praying. You don't just eat, you're eating. So you add this I-N-G, which denotes action or process. You add this to the word to give it a little bit of oomph. And in 2021, that's what we want to do as followers of Jesus. We want to add a little bit of oomph to our faith. We want to live an active faith, not a passive faith, but an active faith. We don't want to just let life happen. We want to go out and make life happen. We want to be active followers of Jesus that live out our faith in everyday situations where we're constantly growing and becoming more like Jesus. That's part of our mission statement. We want to help people find and follow Jesus. That is an active mission mission statement. We want people to be going, to be knowing, to be growing. We want to do all these things to live an active faith. And an active faith can mean hundreds of different things. When we were dreaming up this series, we got out the whiteboard and we started writing down all the words that we could think that we could add an ing to to make them active. And we got close to a hundred different ing words. And over the next year, for 2021, we're going to see those words surface in the stories and the scriptures that we look at because Jesus has called each of us to live an active faith. 
You may not know this, but our original command, our marching orders, kind of our purpose as followers of Jesus was one of action. It was one where Jesus told us to go. I want to read it for you. Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go, there's an action, right? And make disciples, another action of all nations, baptizing them, a third action, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, fourth action, uh, teaching these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Like if you've ever wondered or asked the question, what does a Christian do? This is your answer. Or at least it's what we're supposed to do. And that verse is jam-packed with action. We're supposed to go, make disciples. We're supposed to teach and baptize and, and help people obey. Like All of these things are actions that Jesus wants us to do as followers of Jesus. This is the mission. And in simplest terms, this is what following Jesus is about. This is the purpose that we have been called into. It's to live in active faith, to do things that make us more like Jesus, and to bring more people into the kingdom of God, to alert them to the reign and rule of God in the world. This is the mission. But this mission just won't happen if we sit by passively. We have to take the action. We have to be active in making this happen. This active faith is about living into our purpose as followers of Jesus. But here's my fear. I have a fear with this. My fear is, is that so many of us miss our purpose because we've confused Jesus. Jesus has become so commercialized that we often make Jesus to be whatever we want him to be. Well, we like the idea of Jesus. We like the way Jesus exists in our minds. And we want to make sure that we believe in Jesus so that if anything bad happens to us, we're saved. But very rarely do we let Jesus that exists in our minds come out into our life and, and influence us for action. And he's been commercialized. Everybody wants him. The Republicans, the Democrats, the liberals, the conservatives, the independents. Everybody wants Jesus. It's like poor Jesus. He's confused. And in that process, we've confused what it actually means to be a follower of Jesus. But in its simplest terms, at the very earliest command of Jesus, after he rose from the grave, he gave us a command of action, a command to go, to make disciples, to help people find and follow Jesus. So I don't want to miss out on our purpose because we get it confused with something we're not supposed to be because we chase something that we're not supposed to be chasing. Let me illustrate it like this. In the late 1940s, the United States govern government commissioned William Francis Gibbs to work with the United States lines to construct an $80 million troop carrier for the Navy. The purpose was to design a ship that could speedily carry 15,000 troops during times of war. By 1952, construction on the SS United States was complete. The ship could travel at 44 knots, about 51 miles per hour, and she could steam 10,000 miles without stopping for fuel or supplies. She could outrun any other ship and travel nonstop anywhere in the world in less than 10 days. The SS United States was the fastest and most reliable troop carrier in the world. The only catch is she never carried troops, at least not in any official capacity. The ship was put on standby once during the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962, but otherwise she was never used in all her capacity by the U.S. Navy. Instead, the SS United States became a luxury liner for presidents, heads of state, and a variety of other celebrities who traveled, traveled on her during her 17 years of service. 
As a luxury liner, she couldn't carry 15,000 people. Instead, she could house just under 2,000 passengers, and those passengers could enjoy the luxuries of 695 staterooms, four dining salons, three bars, two theaters, five acres of open deck with a heated pool, 19 elevators, and the comfort of the world's first fully air-conditioned passenger ship. And instead of a vessel used for battle during wartime, the SS United States became a means of indulgence for wealthy patrons who desired to coast peacefully across the Atlantic. Look, when we make Jesus about us, and we try to grab Jesus and mold him to to who we are, we fall into the trap of liking Jesus and not following Jesus, and we actually make Jesus all about us instead of our life all about Jesus. And what ends up happening is we miss out on the purpose for which we have been called as followers of Jesus. And we become people that are simply luxury liners chasing the finer things in life rather than fulfilling the purpose to go and make disciples. Jesus asks us to live an active faith. So how do we do that? How do we live this act of faith that we so desperately need as followers of Jesus? Well, uh, like I said, we're going to be talking about those ING words, these active words, but there's really three main categories that any other action word is going to fall in. And I just want to intro these three words, and then we're going to talk about those words more in depth uh, in this series. But the very first thing that we need to do as followers of Jesus, if we want to have an active faith, is we need to be knowing Jesus. It's about knowing Jesus. An act of faith is about knowing Jesus. Have you ever thought about the fact that you have access, access to the creator of the universe, the creator of the cosmos, the creator of all nature that you see? You have access to this God. In fact, before Jesus came in the Old Testament with the Jewish people, there was one way to get access to God. You had to be a priest, and you had to be selected one time, once a year, to go into the Holy of Holies in the temple. The Holy of Holies was this windowless room where you'd go in and you'd sprinkle animal sacrifice blood and you'd burn incense, and you were lucky if you got to go do that. And that was where you could atone You could make right for the sins of the people. But not everybody had that kind of access. You had to be a priest. And it was a very special privilege to be chosen to go into the Holy of Holies. But it was ritualistic. And there was things that you had to dress a certain way. And you had to make sure everything was right to go into the Holy of Holies. In fact, it was so special that that the the Jews, according to Jewish tradition, would tie a rope around the ankle or the waist of the priest who got to go in in case he died in the presence of God so that they could pull him back out. Like that's what it was like to have access to God before Jesus came. But then Jesus came and he gave us access. Jesus came and he settled the divide. Jesus came and lived a perfect life. He was that atoning sacrifice, the make right sacrifice for each of us so that we could have access to God. Jesus, through his death, gave us access to God. Because of Jesus, we can know God. In fact, in John uh, chapter 3, or chapter 17, excuse me, verse 3, here's what Jesus says. He says, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one who was sent to earth. So let's review. How do we know God? Oh yeah, through knowing Jesus. So if you want to have an active faith, we have to be knowing Jesus. Jesus wants to know him on an intimate level, to know and become more like him, to experience the access with God that we have been given. 
And I understand this is the, the mind, the mental ascent aspect of faith. It does have to exist within our mind first. This is where our beliefs and our thoughts and our heart and our mind comes into play. We do have to know Jesus on a belief aspect first, but that's only the starting place. It can't stay in the mind only. If we want to live in active faith, it has to go from the mind to the fingers and to the hands and to our lips as we try to live out this faith. But think about this. How can we introduce other people to Jesus if we don't know him first? So an active faith is knowing Jesus, and it's getting to know him better on intimate levels so that we can be more like him. But understand, it won't just happen. Knowing Jesus, like anything else, takes action. It takes work. It takes spending the time in scripture and in prayer. It takes putting in effort and scheduling your day so that you make sure you're not missing out on time with him. It takes intentionality and it takes humility and asking other people who know Jesus a little bit better than you to teach you and show you more about Jesus, to show you more about God and to show you things you might be missing. So an act of faith is knowing Jesus, but it doesn't stop there. Like we said, it can't stay in the mind only. We want you knowing Jesus, but we also want you growing in Jesus. You got to be growing in Jesus for this active faith. I once heard a story about a little boy who went to bed one night, and he woke up and fell, he fell out of bed, and his mother came running in, and she said, sweetie, sweetie, what happened? How did you fall out of bed? And he looked at her, and he said, I think I stayed too close to the place where I got in. And so often, that's the problem with our faith. We stay too close to the place where we got in. We have that moment when we're uh, in a worship setting and, oh, yes, preacher, I believe, I believe, Holy Spirit, I believe in Jesus. But then it never goes beyond that. And we're fine with it staying in the mind, but then when it comes time for growth, we get weak. And we don't want to keep growing because growth is painful. And, and when, the grow, when we're confronted with the growing pains of faith, we often bow out. And we're fine to just keep Jesus in our mind, but we don't want the action that often accompanies growth. And that's when things get a little uncomfortable. So we settle, because nobody likes to be uncomfortable, and nobody likes the pain that is often associated with growth. But Jesus wants us to grow. Growing is an action that we must be doing as followers of Jesus. In fact, listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. He says, then we will no longer be immature children, right? That, that, that's growth. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing, there's that growth aspect, in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Throughout scripture, we are commanded to keep growing. Growth, when following Jesus, is a non-negotiable. We have to keep growing in our faith with Jesus. And when we grow, everyone benefits. It benefits the whole body of believers. So here's what I would say to you. If you're not growing in your faith, you're probably not following Jesus as well as you think you are. If you've been following Jesus for years and years, ask yourself this question. Does my faith look the same as it did 10 years ago? And if it did, you're probably not living this active faith and following Jesus the way that you think you are. 
I've heard many preachers say before that growth is found in discomfort. And a good indication of whether or not you're growing in your faith is if you feel the tension and the discomfort and the pain that is often associated with following Jesus. So what's this discomfort look like? A couple quick things. I think the discomfort in faith and knowing that you're growing, uh, it, it comes when, when you feel a, a tension between the commands of script, seeing Scripture as a command and seeing Scripture as a suggestion. Look, these are words from the almighty creator of the universe, and so many of us treat them like suggestions, and we pick and choose whatever we want to follow and just discard whatever we don't want to follow. At that point, Jesus is nothing more than a wise sage. And we can decide which of its pieces of advice we want to follow and what we don't. But if you struggle with the commands of Scripture and, and Jesus asks us to do something and we say, uh-uh, I don't want to do that, that makes me uncomfortable, that's a good indication that you're growing because you're being confronted with the truth of God's Word. Or, or what about when it comes to politics? Uh, a good indication that you're growing is when you cannot find a political party that fully encapsulates the way you think about God and what it means to follow Jesus. Look, we follow King Jesus, and no political party on earth will ever be able to fully encapsulate the kingdom of God. So if you are sold out, Republican or Democrat, Independent, Libertarian, if you're sold out to either one of those, and you experience no tension between your spiritual beliefs and your political beliefs, you're probably not growing. But if you feel that tension... If you feel a little bit of discomfort, it's a good indication that you're growing. Or, or maybe you're growing in compassion. And when you used to overreact and get mad and, and get into fights and, and just get angry with everybody, when something sets you off and you start to slow down and you think, I know I should be mad at this person. I, I should be swinging fists at them. But I'm going to take a break and I'm going to try and love them. It's a good indication that you're growing. You're grow you know you're growing when you experience discomfort and tension. Tensions are signs that you're growing, and that growth will benefit everyone. And just like knowing, growing will not just happen. We have to actively go after it. Think about this. Jesus spent eight hours a day for three years with his disciples. That's over 8,000 hours with these 12 men, and they still had gaps. Peter still denied him at the end of his life. Thomas still doubted, and James and John still wanted all the power. They still had gaps after over 8,000 hours with Jesus. And you and I think that we will grow enough with just one hour a week on Sunday. Friends, growth will not just happen. You will not grow simply by showing up on a Sunday morning or watching this video on a Sunday. You have to be growing actively. You have to have a robust prayer life, a robust scripture life. You have to be in community, learning from other believers. You have to be going out and serving everyone and anyone that you meet. Growth does not just happen. You have to actively want it and go after it. So that's what an act of faith is so far. We want people knowing Jesus. We want people growing in Jesus. But there's one final piece to this act of faith. Remember our initial command. Remember that command from Jesus, the purpose to which we're living in. We are called to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that he has commanded us. We are given a commission of action to go. So we're knowing Jesus. We're growing with Jesus. But we are going for Jesus as well. An act of faith is one that goes for Jesus. Did you know 
that in the first century, after Jesus had resurrected and gone back into heaven, the news of the gospel, Christianity, spread like wildfire all over the known world. It infiltrated the Roman army. It went from Jerusalem to Ethiopia. It went into villages and cities. The, the gospel, the news of the resurrection, went everywhere. Why? Because followers of Jesus, just like you and me, went to their places of of work, their home, their friends, their family, and they told everyone what they had seen and experienced. Understand, the gospel did not only spread because of people like Peter and Paul. The majority of the gospel spread because people like you and me, common people, went to their workplaces, they went to their friends, their families, their homes, the, the places that they went for fun, and they took Jesus with them. They were going for Jesus. In fact, after uh, Jesus resurrected, he spent some time with his disciples, about 40 days, and he has a couple encounters that are recorded for us in Scripture. And the very last encounter he has with his disciples is recorded for us in Acts chapter 1, verse 6 uh, and 7. And what happens is that the disciples have a lot of questions about what's going to happen. Let me just read to you uh, what they're thinking and, and then break this down for us for a second. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? They wanted the kingdom of Israel to be restored. He replied in verse 7, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Notice what Jesus says. Jesus says, Don't worry about what's happening. Don't worry about when the kingdom will be established. Don't worry about what God's going to do. What you need to worry about is going. You need to be worried about taking what you've seen and what you've experienced and taking it to everybody that you know. I love how Andy Stanley says it when he says, For Jesus, it was more important for his disciples to know what to do next rather than what will happen next. Look, this is part of going for Jesus. It doesn't matter what's going to happen next. It doesn't matter who's in charge, whether it's the Republicans or the Democrats, whether we like the president or don't like the president, whether there's a vaccine or no vaccine, a pandemic or no pandemic. What, it doesn't matter what happens next. What matters is what we do next. And when we have this mindset, no matter what the circumstances are, we can go and tell people about Jesus. That's our purpose. That's what we've been called into. That's what it means to live an active faith. And understand, going doesn't just happen. We're not just going to go to strangers and stand on the street corners. This is about going to friends and family members, the people that know you're a follower of Jesus, but that you're scared to death to talk uh, to Jesus about, to, to take Jesus to. This is who we're called to go to, the people that we know, the people that we have influence with. We're called to go to them and actually talk to them about Jesus. That's what an active faith is. It's, it's somebody who's knowing Jesus, that's growing in Jesus, and going with Jesus. As we conclude today, before we get ready to, to break open these next three weeks and, and, and going more in-depth into knowing, growing, and going, I want to conclude with this. Oren McManus, he's a writer and a preacher, and in his book, The Barbarian Way, he points out that most groups of animals have unique designations when they're together. For instance, bees are a swarm, ants are called colonies, whales are pods, fish swim in schools, cattle are herds, and birds are flocks. McManus goes on to say that if you watch The Lion King, you know a tribe of lions is a pride, crows are murders, and tigers form an ambush. 
He points out that a group of buzzards is called a committee, and he claims that that insight is worth the whole price of the book. Groups of flamingos are called flamboyants. Owls are called parliaments. But listen to what he writes about rhinos. He says, my favorite group of all is the designation for rhinos. You see, rhinos can run at 30 miles per hour, uh, which is pretty fast when you consider how much weight they're pulling. They're actually faster than squirrels that run at 26 miles per hour, but even then, who's going to live in dread of a charging squirrel? Running at 30 miles per hour, he says, is faster than a used pinto will go, and there's just one problem with this phenomenon. Rhinos can only see 30 feet ahead of them. Can you imagine something that large, moving in concert as a group, plowing ahead at 30 miles an hour with no idea what's at 31 feet? You would think that they would become far too timid to pick up full steam, that their inability to see far enough ahead would would paralyze them from moving. But with that horn pointing the way, rhinos run full steam ahead without apprehension, which leads us to their name. Rhinos, moving together at full speed, are known as a crash. McManus concludes, I think that's what we're supposed to be. The church becomes a crash. We become an unstoppable force. We don't have to pretend we know the future. Who cares? We can only see 30 feet ahead. Whatever's at 31 feet needs to care that we're coming. Hop on board or get out of the way. Friends, we can do this in 2021. We can have an active faith. We can know Jesus and we can grow in Jesus and we can go for Jesus and we can help people find and follow Jesus. It doesn't matter what's at 31 feet. We can crash the world. We can crash the community with our love and compassion and we can serve the least of these and we can live an act of faith and we can grow and become more like Jesus we can do this this is going to be the year for action and I can't wait to see how we grow and how we go for Jesus and as we help more and more people find and follow him let me pray for us heavenly father you came for us you knew us you saw us and you knew that we couldn't save ourselves so Jesus you left heaven And you came to earth. God, you came for us. And when we realize that, when we know what you sacrificed and what you gave up for us, I pray that we would live into the purpose for which we have called. We say we believe it, but God, may it not only exist in mind, but may it exist in the way we grow and in the way we go for you. Father, give us the courage, the endurance, the patience, and the faithfulness to live in active faith so that we can help more and more people follow you. We're doing all of this because of Jesus and what he gave for us on the cross. And it's in his precious, holy name that we pray. Amen.